Welcome to the Western Bell Podcast Series, with talks on traditional spiritual teaching and its application in the world today. The intention of the series is to offer something useful for those who are drawn to study themselves and engage practice on the spiritual path. New talks are posted twice each month. The content of the talks is for informational purposes only and not to provide any kind of counseling, medical, or professional advice. This podcast is titled, Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. The talk was given by Matthew Files on January 22, 2022, via Zoom. Matthew has facilitated spiritual groups that support people to look deeper into their process formulate their own questions, and become responsible for their choices. In this talk, Matthew parodies a conversation with Bono about the meaning of U2 lyrics in a discussion about the spiritual search. Reference is made to the Indian master Mayor Baba and to the poetry of the American master Lee Lozowick. If there is benefit in this talk for you, please consider sharing the link to it or writing a review on social media or on one of the podcast platforms. Matthew Files. I was mulling over the uh, blurb that the speaker works up, and so I just wanted to reread that to get started, get myself warmed up here. We all search in small ways for things that can be attained in the next moment and in bigger ways for things that take longer. Then there's an immense, seemingly insatiable search for fulfillment that could go on forever. We tend to avoid seeing that we are seekers and that the search is based in pain and can never truly be fulfilled when founded on the assumption that we are just separate beings. By perpetuating the search, we keep ourselves from seeing what we're doing and from going deeper into the heart of what we're really looking for. And I was thinking about that and I said, man, why does spiritual life have to be so heavy? I stole that from Dr. John, by the way. That was a quote, nicely edited, made it even a little more friendly. So that's just like a heavy quote, a heavy idea. But I have notes. These are notes from a conversation I was having a couple of weeks ago. And in the conversation, I realized this is really good. This is a great conversation that I could take to the talk. I could use this in the talk tonight. So after I had met with my friend, my friend Bono, actually. You all know Bono from U2. He's the lead singer for, for U2. And so after we had talked for a while, I got inspired by the talk and said, I got to come home and write down as much as I can remember from our conversation. Most of it is from what I said to him, but that's okay. So, you know, I was hanging out in my favorite place, having an after work beer. And uh, who shows up but Bono? And I'm like, Bono. What's going on? I haven't seen you in forever. And because I've known him since they did the Rattle and Hum tour back in the late 80s, and they were playing at a Sun Devil Stadium. If you've never seen Rattle and Hum, it's a great thing. Anyway, so we were talking and we just chatting each other up. Hadn't talked in a while and about family and kids and life on the road. And, you know, because I had a little life on the road. He's got a big life on the road, but, you know, there's places where they meet. So, uh, you know, we're just talking and I bought him a beer. I said, here, have a beer. It's not your favorite. It's not Guinness. It's not Irish, but it'll do, I hope. 
was just a local brown something or other. I don't even remember. And anyway, we're talking, and then he starts off on, on this lament of his that I've heard him do before. And he just starts in saying, I've climbed the highest mountains. I've run through the fields only to be with you. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I'm going, okay, being he's kind of a religious guy. And the tone of it, you know, the tone of what he was saying seemed to have a nice mood of uh, longing in it. So I said, okay, tell me a little more. I'll listen some more. I've heard it before, but I'll listen some more. Then he goes on, he says, I have run, I have crawled. I have scaled these city walls, these city walls only to be with you. I said, okay, that's cool. I, I can see you've made some really good efforts here. You put your boots to the ground and what you, whatever it is you're looking for. Now, part of my problem, Bono, is you never really say what it is you're looking for. And maybe it would be helpful if you were a little clear about that, about what it is exactly that you wanted. I said, those are great gestures, but can you be more specific? And he just continued with this lament. He goes, I've kissed honey lips, felt the healing in her fingertips. It burned like fire, this burning desire. And I was like, okay, now you're talking my language. This is good stuff. I can see where you've been. That's really good. And he got a good chuckle out of that. We could both relate to that. And then he started getting all mystical and heavy on me. And he started saying, I've spoke with the tongue of angels. I've held the hand of a devil. It was warm in the night. I was cold as a stone, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I was like, hey, Bono, that is some heavy shit. I mean, if you're not kidding me, that's some really heavy esoteric experience right there. Talking with the tongue of angels, holding the hand of the devil. That's experience, man. That is some serious experience. But I have a problem with it because it's up there. I mean, in terms of the realm of experiences, that's up there. But you're still seeking. I mean, you still, after all that, climbing city walls, holding the hand of the devil, speaking with the angels, you still haven't found what you're looking for. And I'm like, what are you looking for, man? Really? And I said, and that didn't do it for you. All that experience, experience after experience, and it still didn't do it for you. And then he just, he's a talker. He just goes on and on. He's a great guy, really. He's, I'm not real fond of his politics. I think they're a little like fruity, if you ask me, saving the world and all that stuff. But uh, holding the hand of the devil, that's cool. That's pretty good. And then he goes on, he's saying, I believe in kingdom come. Then all the colors will bleed into one. Well, yes, I'm still running. I said, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. Okay, I get it. You got a Christian background. You grew up, you went to a Christian school. But kingdom come. Are you hanging on to that belief where it all comes together and kingdom come and the kingdom of heaven on earth? I mean, really? Is that what you're looking for? And this thing you're talking about where all the colors bleed into one, is this really your idea of non-duality where everything just becomes like oatmeal where there's no distinctions all the colors are just i don't know if, if you mix all the colors in one it just becomes black as far as i know 
But anyway, I said, you know, you're a worldly guy, but that strikes me as really naive, crushingly naive, actually, my friend, and simplistic as well. I get the sense that you're talking about non-duality. He doesn't really pay much attention to my responses, you know? He just kind of like nods, has another sip of the beer. He loves cigars. He's a big cigar smoker. I didn't smoke with him. I gave up cigars years ago. They're just nasty. I love the smell of them, so I was right there with him. And then he goes on and he's saying, you broke the bonds and you loosed the chains carried the cross of my shame. You know, I believed it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I'm going, dude, listen. Okay, I get it. Now I know you are talking about Jesus. Okay, that part became clear. You're kind of cryptic sometimes in the way you talk. Not everything's like really black and white. Here's the thing, Bono. I said to him, I said, at some point, You're going to have to carry your own cross. Jesus can't carry your cross forever. You know, you got to do that yourself. And your shame, too. You can't let Jesus carry your shame forever. Sometime you're going to have to grow up and just carry your own shame and carry your own cross. That's if they're different. Maybe they're the same. (laughs) They could be. I met you 30 years ago, over 30 years ago. And you're still giving me the same story. You know, you still haven't found what you're looking for. And I want to know why. I mean, he's had some heavy-duty experiences, and he's still seeking. And maybe he's just confused. I don't know. But, I mean, if he thinks non-duality is where all the colors blend into one, I think he's confused. I didn't tell him that, but uh, that's what I was thinking at the time when we were talking. But this is where it started to get real. It was like... Two different conversations happening at the same time. He was talking to himself and I was talking to myself, but our voices were aimed at each other. It's kind of a funny situation. And when he was done, I kind of took him to task and I I said, you know, you're still running. You're still searching for that elusive thing. And I want to know why. By the way, you're talking about this. You've turned this searching of yours into some sort of honorable, respectable, upstanding hero's journey. This search, this noble prince searching forever and having all these experiences. And well, no, at some point, it's got to come to an end. You got to give up that thing, that thing you got going on about continuing this search. And, and you've even put it into a song. And then you go out and you sing it. And then you've got all these people. You're in this stadium with 10, 20,000 people, and they're all going, yeah, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You've got these people like duped. They think because you're Bono when you're up there singing about it, that that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, you're totally reinforcing this thing in them. I mean, we've had this conversation before, he and I. So it's not really new, but it was the first time I actually got inspired by it and wrote down bits and pieces from the conversation so I could bring them here to the talk. So, you know, he's inspiring all these people, deluding all these people with this language of, yeah, continue the search, have these experiences, keep going, keep going, keep looking, have these experiences forever. And then it dawned on that maybe this wasn't a lament. And I looked at him and said, Bono, are you complaining? 
Or are you actually bragging? Because at first I thought he had this lament going on about, oh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I'm just, I'm searching and experiencing and I can't find it. And then I realized maybe he's bragging about it. It's like this thing. He's really proud of like this great search he's been on probably his whole life. I mean, I've known him for 30 years and I'm sure it was going on before that. What else did I tell him? <laughs> yeah, and so I said, you were saying before, and you're still running. Yeah, still running. You're running to find it, running to find out. And he just kind of looks at me and takes a big puff of his cigar and looks at me through those dark sunglasses, you know, that he wears all the time. And there's just complete silence. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't think so. That's what I thought to myself. I said, I don't know. Maybe it's just your karma. Maybe you have to keep that up, keep that search. Maybe that's just what you're cut out to do this lifetime. Be a searcher your whole life and never just get over yourself. (laughs) Maybe it's just one of those things. But honestly, I think you're running a racket here with this searching thing and you're enrolling all these people you're singing it to you're enrolling everybody in your racket now you've got millions of people on your side how could you be wrong everybody's bought your albums and probably they bought it because of that song you know yeah so really got on its case about emotionally manipulating people through his songs that heart-wrenching voice that great baritone voice and he's just manipulating people to like Keep searching. It's all this emotional play. People are buying it, literally buying it. I mean, because they're buying his records, buying his albums. So they're buying what he's saying, all of it. And then just for a second, he puts his thick glasses down like that. I didn't, I really didn't think he was listening to me. He puts his dark glasses down, he looks at me and he puffs on his cigar. And he says, in that Irish thing he's got going on, you know, because he's Irish, but that accent and he says do you really think i could just drop the search like that like you're talking about and i laughed out loud it definitely wasn't a chuckle i said you can never drop the search i said you try to drop the search you're just doing more of the same you're just continuing what you've always been doing he put his glasses up i didn't want to hear me he really didn't want to hear me He just put his glasses back up and kind of went into his little cocoon behind his glasses. Oh, yeah. By that time, uh, we were about three or four beers into this thing. And uh, I was thinking uh, maybe buying him a beer wasn't such a good thing after all. He's a good guy, but he's tad pretentious. But I just wasn't having any of this lamenting bullshit. I just wasn't up for it because he's raised it to some sort of esoteric, righteous, principled fetish, you know, this whole thing about seeking. And then I knew I had struck a chord, pun intended. When he says to me, he says, is it getting better? Or do you feel the same? Will it make it easier on you? Now you've got someone to blame. I'm like, hold on, Bono, hold on. That's a whole different conversation. I said, I'm not blaming you for anything. Nothing. I said, I know you don't like it, but I'm just trying to point something out to you that I see you're up to. I mean, I can do that because we're friends. If we weren't friends, I couldn't do that with you. But we have that kind of rapport, so I figured I could do it, but I hope you don't hate me for it. 
And he wasn't real keen on this. So he says this thing, he says, love is a temple, love the higher law. You ask me to enter, but then you make me crawl. And I'm like, well, now, wait a minute. Now you're going too far. I said, how did you bring love into this conversation? We are not talking about love here. We're talking about your racket. And that's when I realized that maybe having two or three beers with him was not a good idea because the conversation was really going over the edge. And I kind of like put my hand down on the table. I said, Pona, what are you talking about? Nobody's mentioned love yet. And I'm not trying to make you crawl. I said, I know it feels that way because I'm in your face about this thing, but I'm not trying to make you crawl. So don't get all like full of yourself and moaning and complaining just because I'm trying to be a little straight with you here, being trying to be a little straight with my friend. I just want you to get a little closer look at this. And so then I, maybe I got rude, but he's a friend, you know, and I just started telling him he was a martyr and had a hero complex and, you know, all this stuff. Cause he's up there trying to enroll everybody in. And that's kind of how it went. You know, that was our conversation. It was a good conversation. I found it extremely inspiring, which is why I brought it here to talk with everybody about. So I wanted to uh, just see if anybody had any uh, questions or comments about my little conversation with Bono. Anything he or I talked about that resonated with anybody? Hey, so I've heard that song so many times, and I have never, ever seen it from the point of view that you're sharing with us. When I've heard that song, I always thought it was like yearning for the beloved. So there must be some kind of distinction I need to make. How would you distinguish between searching for something and yearning for the beloved? The distinction I make is that yearning is not a search. I guess my point of view, based on the mood it evoked in me rather than the words themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to me, there is a hint of that, that yearning. But it's, it's kind of buried to me. Because it's the search, the way I'm talking about the search anyway, the spiritual search. It's not necessarily the spiritual search. It could be the, the search for money, food, and sex. It's all the same search. Or let's say it's all rooted in the same, has the same roots, which is dissatisfaction or a feeling of incompleteness or lack of wholeness or something's missing in life. And that's generally what propels the search, whether it's the search for more money or the perfect partner or God. There's a whole layer of stuff that we have to work through to pierce that knot, that vital cramp that keeps us searching. So is it, because I'm just thinking about it while I'm listening to you speak, is it, do you think, Yearning is sort of something you're waiting to be bestowed with as opposed to going after something. Yeah, I think of yearning for the beloved or longing for the beloved to me is it's waiting. 
like Bono was talking about, we're not all city wall climbers and we don't have big lives and not everybody's experience is the same. But on one level, we're all doing the same thing. You know, when it comes to the search, it's all the same thing. Big, wild experiences, cosmic experiences, and then they go away and we come back. And that wasn't enough. I need more. I'm not full. I need something else. Give me another one. Then we want to get it back. We want to get that experience back. And just compounds our searching for whatever it is we're searching for. There's so much going through my head. Because I think for me, searching is a human condition. And I don't know anybody who's not in one or the other way searching. So that is always there. And when you said, oh, on the outside, nothing changed over the last 40 years with Bono. And I said, how can I judge about something like that when I have no idea what's going inside, what kind of transformational processes or changes are happening in the inside and even if the appearance is the same. Bono and I are like this. So I, I can say those things about him. Okay, yeah. But it's like, how could you even judge about something because you can't see it or I can't see it about myself? I think searching is changing in my experience My search is changing and is maybe more hidden even, hidden under the spirituality bypassing thing. You know? No, it's, Or, it's not hidden. Yeah, it's not hidden. Thank no. you. So it's, it's for me like, yeah, I'm, I'm searching for a warmer or not rainy day or for a cup of tea. So it's like the searching is... I want to be aware of it. And I think that is the most what I can do So for myself. Yes. To become aware of it yeah. is, is very important. Yeah. For me, the searching is not like such a big problem if I'm aware of it. Yeah, it might be bigger than we think. A bigger problem than we realize. I say we because I don't think you're the only one that thinks that way. I think a lot of us think that way. And like you said, I don't know anybody that's not searching. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, but it doesn't seem like to me like any of the great saints or sages or great realizers doesn't strike me that they were still searching. So something happened where the search ended and they were no longer looking for something. I mean, I don't think Mayor Baba was, was looking for something, except maybe devotees who would practice the way he wanted them to. <laughs> I don't know if that fits in with the whole schema of the idea of the search. I think it's in a different category. So, yeah, we do. We have this dilemma because you look around and, yeah, everybody's searching. 
So it must be normal. It must be the thing. But I'd like to venture otherwise. It is normal. It is what we do. I agree. And yet, it's also what perpetuates our suffering, which is the perpetuation of the search. And and I think you, you might actually be right that there isn't a lot more that we can do than see that we're doing it, to really take a really close look and see what we're up to in terms of searching. And just that seeing will change things. Like I was telling Bono when he asked me, and he said, you know, do you think I could just drop this, you know, just drop it? And really, I laughed. I laughed really loud, almost spit my beer across the table. I was laughing so much because no, you can't. You can't do it. You can't drop the search. Just like you can't wake up. You can't wake yourself up to any significant degree. Many years ago, I had the opportunity to um, hang out with Bernadette Roberts, who's a Christian Mm -hmm. mystic and has written many books about the search for no self and the experience of no self. And I sent her a bunch of books at the time to thank her. (laughs) You know, I got them back in the mail later. (laughs) And the note attached was, thank you very much. People who read books are searching for something, and I'm no longer searching for anything. Nice. And uh, I thought, whoa, (laughs) that woman's got chutzpah, you know, whatever, cojones. And um, she's willing to stand up for who she is, what she knows, and what she's not willing to spend her time on anymore. So I'm thinking about the pile of books that's next to my bed, the pile of books that's on the floor. And it's very easy to say that they're there for my delight, for my entertainment and for my research and all of that. But also, I can't read without, oh, finding some secret or something that's going to propel me forward. And so I'm, I'm constantly aware of that. It's there all the time. And when you say it's a cause of suffering, it is when I'm not falling back into the degree of reliance upon God that I intuitively know. So I think I think you can't search for something that you don't already know exists. I would venture to say that unless you have tasted something, you at least taste it by seeing it in somebody else. So I don't think you can yearn for something unless you have tasted it or resonated with it in some way for yourself. And so for me, I think that most of us, if not all of us, know, we already do know what it is that we're searching for, but we can't necessarily articulate it, but it is, it's already there. And it's simply like what Bernadette Roberts saying, just stopping long enough to rest in what that is. Mm-hmm. And doing that ongoingly, day after day, which is why they call it practice. And so, yes, you can't do it. You can't do it. But you can practice along those lines. And then you get hit by the train. Thank you. That that sounds like the end of the talk to me. (laughs) I would say in the context of this talk, our bodies are the stop to the search. Living from our heads has 
that perpetual, you know, need, unfulfilled need, empty ghost hunger. And when we drop into our bodies, self-observation book is a way, a manual of learning how to place our attention in our bodies rather than in our heads. Living from a non-head world, to me, it just takes away the whole equation of needing something. It changes the whole game. Yeah. This idea, like the, the body is always in the present. You know, the mind can be in the future. The mind can be in the past. But the body is always in the present, which is why it's really useful to be in touch with the body. Anybody searching for something they'd like to talk about? Anybody come here searching for something to this evening's talk? Maybe you thought you were going to get that little piece, you know, or I did. I came thinking, you know, maybe doing this talk, you know, maybe something will happen for me. You know, doing this talk in front of these people, that didn't happen yet. (laughs) I think that giving is also a part of what we can do. I believe we can do a lot of things. And I do believe we can decide to stop searching. When that actually happens is another thing. But I believe we can decide to stop searching and see what happens, see what arises. If that's true. Would you like to decide to do that right now? I am. Oh, cool. Okay. I can say something. What I was searching for was some clarity. I think I was searching for clarity. And uh, I didn't get it. Got some ideas and things like that. But what I did get was a lot of laughing. And that is a real gift. So thank you. You're welcome. I keep going back to my Christian mystical tradition. St. Teresa, Teresa Babila, has some amazing poetry in which she talks about the human condition, which is knowing that she's already united to God. She's never been separate from God and yearning for that which she always known she is. And that chasm between the fact that you actually know that and that you can still be yearning for that at the same time is an interesting koan. It's like you already are it and you even know that. And yet yearning is something that's true of you. Would you say that yearning is a desire to give back to that which has given to us? I don't know for sure what she's saying. As long as she's embodied, as long as she's in the physical body, there's still not the absolute fullness that she knows is possible, perhaps. That's the other thing, that the body does have its limits. So she's still in that situation of knowing and, and yearning at the same time. That's the only guess I have. I wanted to uh, talk about, you can't do it, but we can still practice, which is true. Practice, I don't know if practice makes perfect, (laughs) but the thing is, like, even in practice, we can still perpetuate the search. It's all about how we're relating to practice. Maybe in this meditation, I'll get it. Maybe doing 10,000 pranayamas 
will get it. Maybe chanting 5 million names of God, and I'll get that thing that I've been looking for. Or maybe if I have the perfect vegetarian diet, it'll be just the right thing. Or whatever. It can take any form. So in one sense, I could say practice is everything. And at the same time, it's important to pay attention to perhaps I'm still perpetuating the the search through practice, you know, like just sitting meditation, just sit without any expectations of anything to happen. And you just sit and you see that you're just full of expectations of something to happen. (laughs) At least I do. (laughs) They're just there. They just show up. But if I'm not careful, I'll approach meditating as something that's going to get me somewhere or chanting the name of God as something that's going to get me somewhere or fill some hole in me that's not full, some incompleteness, something like that. I haven't sung with the voice of an angel or held the hand of the devil, but maybe that'll do it. Maybe it didn't do it for Bono, but maybe it'll do it for me. Maybe that'll be just the thing, but I think not in terms of any particular experience being the the key link to opening this cosmic doorway into another realm, so to speak. (laughs) I'm sorry, that just makes me laugh. It's it's so absurd. (laughs) There are a lot of examples of people who had a shift in context and their whole lives changed. And they had searched for God intently, with great intention. I can tell you're trying to put me on the spot. So (laughs) how would you respond to that? Because it's pretty rare that someone has just had to shift in context without having really applied themselves to the path. And we could say searched for God. Yeah, we could say searched for God. Sure. That's a good name for it. Maybe they were just doing what what everybody does, searching. They're doing it particularly intently, which tends to have some sort of heroic aura around it. But perhaps that intense searching had nothing to do with that shift of context, that waking up. That could be possible. That The two are actually not linearly related. Next question. (laughs) Next question. Because... I have no follow-up right now to what you said. Stumped you, did I? Well, that might be true. And also, it seems like there is a history of many teachers or or many realizers who have really searched for God. And for all of those people, maybe one thing didn't have to do with another, okay. But I just kind of look at that and, and think... Well, maybe diving deeper into the search is the path. Maybe. I'm not convinced. I'm not either necessarily, but I'm just kind of noticing this as we're talking. Because I think a a number of these realizers, these so-called realizers. Well, would you question that? I mean, you used Mayor Baba as an example. No, I'm not questioning. I'm just trying to make more jokes so I can make more people laugh. So I'm not exactly wide red, but there are a number of cases of the realizers who have spent a good part of 
early part of their life, intensely searching for God. They wake up, but then what do they tell people? Stop searching. (laughs) Stop searching. What are you doing? Why are you searching? There's a talk that someone is giving soon on paradox. Maybe I'll bring that up at that point. But to my next question. Well, actually, that just reminded me. So my next talk that I do for this series will be about the importance of intensely searching for God. Why you should search for God with every ounce of strength and attention you have. Okay, that'll be my next talk. Awesome. So it seems like there's a lot of nuance to seeking. I don't think that we see it really clearly. That we are seeking? Yeah. I think that we're very mechanical. At least I think that this is true for me. I think I'm very mechanical in the way that I live. And there's a lot of seeking embedded in that that I don't really pay attention to in a very incisive way. It seems like it's easy to pretend that I'm not seeking. I think people do that, and sometimes people are kidding themselves. There are people who say that they've realized the one, and maybe. I mean, why does it even matter? Because we're all present as we are right now. But on the other hand, it does seem like there is something that we're looking for. But we can pretend that you're not. Yes. I like to pretend that most of the time. So. Oh, you want me to talk about that? Well, I'm just thinking about from what you're saying about how I feel mechanically that maybe I don't see that I'm seeking in ways that it would be really helpful to. Oh, Mozazen grasshopper. Did you say grasshopper? Grasshopper. I see. <laughs> I agree, totally. Or maybe it doesn't matter. I think it matters a lot to self-observe, to see what we're up to, to be able to see the nuances of the search and how we keep perpetuating that thing that keeps us suffering. So it gives us something to complain about how I still haven't found what I'm looking for, but we keep doing it because we don't see it clear enough. And actually, I think that a lot of people don't see that they're suffering, at least on this level. I would agree with that. Boy, this has been delicious. There's a lot I resonate here with. First of all, I I just want to make a comment that one well-known teacher has said that the only thing sillier than searching is to search but pretend that you're not. So again, to be aware of what you're up to is, is important, but not to try to stop it because it's absolutely true that the so-called separate self, as long as it sees itself as a separate entity, is not capable of stopping the search. And there's something that I resonated with a lot. Actually, the fundamental origin of the search is not egoic. It comes from the divine itself. It is the call if you want to put it this way, of the beloved, that's the origin of it. When it filtered through the separate egoic self, then it can take all kinds of very distorted shapes and forms, and usually does in most cases. 
what St. Teresa of Avila was speaking about was this knowing that the origin of this seeking was present, was already alive and present in her. But along the way, she certainly had her struggles. But there is a paradox there in that the origin of the seeking comes from the divine. That is how we know it. it's possible or that there is something. We, we wouldn't even know there is something if it weren't already present and alive and who we are, actually. It's, it is who we are. So we are in some deep way aware that it is present, but it gets really distorted through the many layers of egoic conditioning. How does that happen? It's just part of the human biological machine and how it works. It's not evil. It's not a sin. You know, it's not a mistake. I mean, what are we going to do about those filters? What are we actually going to do? Because you were saying, you know, the, the search itself comes from the divine, but these filters get in the way because it has to go through these filters called me. Yeah. Okay. What are we going to do about these filters? The posture of what, what are we going to do about filters already gets us off track. The, the realizers who I really respect the most don't tell their students to just stop seeking. They say, yes, stopping has to happen, but it's not up to you when stopping occurs. It's just not in your hands. But it is what has to happen eventually. But they're not telling their students, the good ones, are not telling the students, just stop, do it by force of will. You can't. You can't do it. So would you say that spiritual practice is a way of doing something about the filters? Yes, but the, the provision, the way I see it is like, you think of the totality of the universe, of, of all causes and all effects. Any one thing that happens, happens because of everything else. So if you're practicing in a certain way, it's because of everything else. It's because of the whole totality. So if you're drawn to a practice, you think that it's your decision. The mind will say, I'm doing this practice. But what actually is happening is you're just following what is ordained, so to speak, by the totality, by, by everything else. There's nothing that happens on its own. Everything is happening as, as, as a result of everything else, including practice, whatever practice you take on. I understand what you're saying, but I just don't think that way. But I understand. I get it. I'm like, yeah, okay. Oh, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. And I can think that way. I can hear what you're saying. But then the next thing that comes up for me is, so what? (laughs) Good. That's good. (laughs) That's excellent. I thought of one more thing I wanted to add to the discussion. And that is the principle that Lee talked about in his poetry and in other places. And I think it refers back to what I was talking about with Teresa, where he talked about love in separation as being the highest form of love. So he was saying that he knew himself to be united to his beloved. And at the same time, he prayed that they stay in separation so that he could, in his human form, have adoration for the other. Okay. Anybody else have anything they'd like to contribute? 
or question or put me on the spot about? Matthew? Oh, here it comes. Yes. So one of the things that has touched me in your introduction, your conversation with Bono, is the idea that searching for the kingdom come Mm. is a bypass to carrying our own cross. At least that's how it hit me. And I'm wondering if you could just say a little bit more about carrying our own cross. What that means to me is taking responsibility for my life and everything about my life. So the whole kingdom come thing is about, in a sense, holding out for a savior of some sort who's going to save me from life. (laughs) When it's really about me taking responsibility for every aspect of my life, everything, all dimensions. At the same time, knowing full well that there's no doer. But I'm not sure that I actually know that. So that's what that whole thing about the cross, carrying your own cross, means to me. Yeah, I can really relate to that. And it seems that even though I've chosen a path that is different from looking for a savior, Mm -hmm. that that conditioning is still there, that that conditioning is a backdoor, Mm -hmm. and that the searching, my neurotic searching, is actually an avoidance of carrying my own cross. And and that's just there. It's just part of my conditioning, that back door. I have to be constantly aware of it. That stuff dies hard. So I thought that um, unless there's some really pressing question someone has, that they've just been waiting to the last minute, like most good questions, <laughs> it always happens that way, doesn't it? You're running out of time and somebody asks to quit. Anyway, play a little music. Guess what I'm going to play? 